1: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
2: Sports Radio 92.9, The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Keyes studios on this Tuesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part uh, of the show. Odyssey Apps so you catch us on the go. Social media is at... 929 the game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And uh as always, uh at the JMCH316 and at the D Lewis for real. We uh are gonna do rank coming up here at uh, 10 o'clock uh or sorry, 1040 um this evening. So we will get to that a little bit later on. You got your Falcon flyover? Is it up? You got it? Can we do it? Can we do it? I mean, I don't feel I don't feel right without the flyover sounder. Are we still flying? by the seat of our pants. These computers have really worked out well, haven't they? they, they they've really gotten it. So, um, This is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It's the Falcon flyover with no music or sounders. Anyway, uh, Pro Football Focus has one rookie. Uh, they say one rookie for each NFC team with the most to gain from 2023 NFL training camp. And... They talk about for the Atlanta Falcons, it's Matthew Bergeron. Bergeron has the opportunity to overtake the 2020 third round pick Matt Hennessy at left guard this summer, second rounder out of uh, Syracuse, featured at left tackle for the majority of his last three collegiate uh, seasons, but is moving inside with Atlanta. And due to Hennessy's lack of NFL experience at the position, serving as the team's starting center in 2021, Bergeron is more than a worthy contender for the gig. Hennessy slotted in for the injured Elijah Wilkinson at left guard in week nine last year for suffering a knee injury. In all, he's played 76 pass blocking snaps at the position and led up four pressures, two of which were sacks. Bergeron at left tackle in 2022 surrendered only 12 pressures and graded out as an above-average run blocker, 69. So, look, here's the thing I will say, though, about Bergeron. I want him to win the position because it's it's – he's the best guy, not because of injuries, not because of somebody stinking it up. I want him to, at the end of the day, win the job on his merits, not win the job because Hennessy is hurt, Hennessy doesn't play well. Like, this, this leads into the Jalen Mayfield thing where – Again, when Jalen Mayfield took over at left guard, it's because of an injury to their starter, and he was pretty much forced into that spot. I don't want Bergeron to feel like he's forced into that spot because that did not go well for Jalen Mayfield, and they may be two totally different players. I'm not saying that they're not, but the last time it was forced into a position change, that did not go well. At least this time, they're allowing Bergeron to grow into the left guard role versus everything is just happening at 1,000 miles an hour. So that's the good part uh, about it. That's the good thing is that for now he can grow into the position, but if this injury with Hennessy kind of lingers, you know, again, it, it, I want him to win it because he's been the best, um, you know, at it. So we'll see what, the, what happens there. Um, Arthur Blank did speak uh, today, and uh, he talked about a a few different things. One is, I thought it was interesting that he said there is a succession plan in place for the Blank family to continue on with owning the franchise. Now, he didn't get specific, but he does want to keep it in the family. And I've wondered about this for years now. You know, look, we've seen the Benson family have – all kinds of issues once Tom Benson died in in New Orleans that the wife and the kids, like it's been turmoil. And I don't want that for this franchise. So, again, I'm guessing the Suns take over the franchise. But, again, we've got a ways to go with all that. But they have to put succession plans in place for franchises in July. Every year they have to do a succession plan in place in July. So we'll see what happens with that. Now Arthur did say today, uh, talking about the uh, the head coach and general manager. "Quote: This is the third year of a three-year plan, and I think what I see and what I like a lot is Coach Smith and General Manager Terry Fontenot laid out very carefully, uh, thoughtful, kind of methodical plan of what they were going to do. I think we're moving in the right direction. They should expect our team to be even more competitive, if you will, with the emphasis on the defensive side of the ball during free agency." I think we have as many offensive tools as possible, uh, sorry, as probably most, if any, team in the NFL today. We've got a lot of talent, obviously, an experienced offensive line that performed at a high level last year. I like where we are. Then talking about Desmond Ritter, he said, quote, "I like our young quarterback. People look at just the last four games and last year, and they say, well, based upon those four games, but he was he really progressed from the time he came on campus here and he, after he was drafted, had a good camp, and he's been a strong leader since he's shown up here. Continued to develop, worked well with Marcus Mariota last year, learned a lot from Marcus. He's a learner, and he's got a lot of humility. This year, As this year progressed, he had an opportunity to play. I think he played uh, better at every competitive level. Those last four games, each game seemed to be a little bit better. So we feel pretty strongly that he's going to be our quarterback of the future. We've got to play games, and we've got to see. We've got to see, but we feel good about him. Ah, let me let me waft it in. Ah, okay, we got the sounds back. So, all right, let's uh, let's get to some audio. Uh, let's start with Matthew Bergeron. Uh, he was on what was it? The Morning Shaft. He was on. Man, um, here's Bergeron talking about blocking for a talented backfield.
3: Oh man, it's been crazy. You know, having a running back like Bijan that can do a lot of things, and Desmond Ritter has been great. He's a great leader as well. And you know, I think a name that don't get you know talked about much is Algier. You know, he's been a, he's been tremendous around this camp and OTA. So I'm just I'm just grateful to be able to block for those guys, to be honest.
2: Well, look, they're not going to be one of the heavy passing teams in the NFL, so he's going to be able to use his size and strength and everything to obviously run block a whole lot for this. And they were. They were the most run-heavy team in the NFL last year, called the most percentage of run plays in the NFL. So, again, he's going to get a chance to move people around and direct them where he wants to go. Here's uh, Bergeron talking about uh, switching from left tackle to guard.
3: Well, for me, that, that's the hardest part, right? At tackle, I feel like you got a little bit more time when it comes down to the, you know, wide zone man reach and the you know, tight zone man reach. You got more time. I guard everything happens a little faster. I got to be quicker with my hands and my footwork. I, I think I, I'm, I'm getting better with my footwork out there. I, I still got a lot of, you know, job to do with my hands.
2: Well, look, um, he does. See, again, everything is not beer league softball. And, and I bring this up all the time about at the professional level. Oh, well. You know Vaughn Grissom can just go out to left field. It's a lot more than just going out to left field, folks. Again, it's not your buddies getting at the rec center, and Louie usually plays center field, but now he's going to play shortstop because we've got an injury, and and uh, we we got a you know we got our our regular shortstop's got a bunion, and he's going to be out for a few days. So let's put Louie in at shortstop and that oh will be fine. It's not like that in real sports. Everything isn't beer league softball and then at the and then Louie plays well enough that he you know he makes a couple of nice plays and then everybody goes for beer and wings afterward. It's not how it works at the professional level. It's a little bit more nuanced than that. And going from just guard to tackle, you know, or vice versa, I should say in this case But again, there is a learning curve, and it's different responsibilities when you have those different positions. All right, here's Bergeron talking about the advice that the vets have given to the
3: rookies. Just no pressure and play fast. I think that's something that Coach Ledford and the rest of the guys have been preaching ever since we got here. The rookies, just play fast and no pressure. I feel like when you think about it too much, that's when you know certain mistakes happen. And you know when I stepped when I stepped up in there, my mindset was just all right. I just got to communicate to those guys, make sure I'm not a burden, and I'm just out here to help them to get better.
2: Yeah, and obviously, look, he's a second-round pick, so he's going to get some leeway. And obviously, they have a lot invested in him. I mean, say what you will, but a second-round pick is a high pick, and. They obviously look at him as a guy that is going to be here for the long term and is going to play well, whatever position that he plays in. But for now, it needs to be at left guard for this team. Uh, Here's Bergeron talking about playing other sports. has really helped him uh, in playing football.
3: I feel like I was always a big kid, so playing those different sports as, as a kid, I got used to moving with my weight and with my body. You know, I was, I was always big and tall, so just being able to move in open space with my body, I think that's what you know you can see right now in this, uh, you know, in this setting.
2: You know, Day Day in high school, you know, they they football coaches want their kids to play other sports like wrestle, track, or whatever, basketball or whatever. Like they want them to play other sports. Yeah.
4: My and, high school football coach was the head track coach. Uh-huh. So if you wanted to play football, you had to run track. It didn't matter what position you played.
2: Yeah. My um one of the assistant football coaches was the head track coach. Um so I mean that that carryover happens a lot, you know. So um again, my daughter's biology teacher was one of the football coaches for, for Cherokee, but now he's He's doing something else. He's still coaching, but I forget what he's coaching now, but maybe lacrosse or something like that. So, again, I mean, you, you get a lot of that crossover that those coaches want kids to play different sports. All right, uh, let's hear from Kadero Hodge, who was on with Middays earlier, and uh, talking about what his role is going to be with this team.
5: You never really know until season hits, honestly, uh, whether I could be on special teams or I could be more of an offensive role. Uh you know, the goal is always to play more offense. But if Coach wants me to play special teams, then that's what that's what I'll have to do to help us win. Right. But, uh, of course, I want to play offense more, which uh, that's the goal right now in camp to show that.
2: Well, I, I like Daryl Hodge. I think he's done some nice things. But the way you're going to make your bones if you're not the number one, number two wide receiver on a team, and this is true for all 32 teams in the NFL, you got to play special teams. I mean, that's how – that's that's just what you have to do. Like, it's not necessarily an option. You have to be able to play special teams when you're not a starter in the NFL. If you're any kind of backup, you've got to be willing to play some special teams. Here's uh, Kadero Hodge talking about the veteran presence on this team.
5: Yeah, uh, I do. Uh, the energy, the energy is different. Uh, we got a lot more vets this year, and uh... – you no, know, we we set the standards high. We come out every day and compete and we just got to, we have a goal set and we're trying to get to that goal.
2: Certainly a lot of young offensive personnel though. Quarterback, receivers, tight end, running backs. I mean, it's a lot of very young personnel. They may be more experienced on the offensive line. And and even there you've got really young guys. Dalman's only in his second year. Um, Hennessy's a young guy. Bergeron's obviously a rookie this year. So, again, you know, you've got a lot of young personnel on that offensive side of the football. So, we'll see how all of that comes together. Uh, all right, here's Kadero Hodge talking about how Bijan is going to be a player.
5: Bijan is going to be pretty good. Uh, he has a bright future. He's uh, really versatile. He's, yeah, he's going to be a special player. I like, I like what he's doing right now. Pads or without pads, I think he's going to be a good player.
2: Okay, I, I I'm not trying to be the a-hole here. He dang sure better be a, a player for for where he's drafted and in a non-premium position, and and you know a a a not a not a how do I say um an influential position or what's the what's the term that 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 that, that GM used from the Saints? I mean you you've got to have impactful players at you know the point of attack and. Yes, Bijan is a lot of good things, but, you know, it's not the same influence that a fire breather comes off the positions edge. Positions right? of impact. Yeah, or whatever it is. I mean, just you, you've got to have those kinds of guys in impactful positions on the football field. Uh, all right, here's Kadero Hodge talking about how this secondary is going to be a good unit.
5: I think that will be good. Uh, Jesse is pretty good. He's a ball hog back there, a leader back there. A.J. is A.J. You know, A.J. does his thing. And, and Jeffs, I think Jeff's found a home here as well where he can start over and reset. And uh, Richie and, and Jayhawk also are pretty good. Andy and uh, Mike Hughes. So, I think we're pretty good on the back end. They come out. They got they a got dog in them, and they like to compete every day. So, they push us every day to be our best, and we know we got to come with it. Yeah, look, uh,
2: I, I have a lot of expectation for this secondary. Um, not just because of Jerry Gray coaching, them, but there is a lot of personnel there. Now, not, not all of it has always lived up to the hype, right? I mean, not all of it has always, you know, taken that step forward. You know, Bates has been not the same player that he was in 2020. Okuda's, you know, be battling health, and he's been good, but he's not been the third overall draft pick. Terrell had a step back last year, right? So, again, we're seeing some of these guys, but Obviously, the secondary can have a lot of influence on this team because of how good that they are. And, again, Jerry Gray coaching them. All right, when we come back, we're going to hear from Jillian Sackovitz talking all things MLS and Atlanta United. Chuck Green, Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com, app. John show live on this Tuesday evening with you. Well, Lanny United getting a little bit of a break uh, in the action. Of course, last time we saw Lanny United, done. Did not go very well as some guy named Messi, or I don't know what he is, uh, but anyway, he uh, took it to uh, Atlanta United, so we will uh, continue to follow, but uh, let's head out to the wait4.com hotline. Let's talk some Atlanta United, some MLS with our friend of the show, Jillian Sackovitz. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page, at Jillian Sackovitz, and she is hosting now on Apple TV, all the MLS coverage. and. Jillian, as always, uh, thanks uh, for the time, and it's good to finally catch up with you. I know, I know you've been really busy, but it has been uh, you know good to, to you know catch up with you here on the show tonight.
6: It, we're all busy. It's always great to be here.
2: Yeah, and uh, listen, so you're doing a great job on Apple TV. I've seen some of the coverage, and how much fun – I talked to Kevin Egan about this a while back. How much fun has it been doing something like this where you're getting a national perspective of things and – you know, really kind of a big-time production now with what Apple TV is doing in conjunction with MLS.
6: It's been a dream come true. It's been so fascinating this year to see this entire project come together and to be lucky enough to be a part of it. Um, Atlanta United definitely still holds a special place in my heart, and I I know I speak for Kevin Egan and Mo do as well, Um, but it has been really fascinating to get to have a little bit of an inside scope on every team and to be bringing it to a global audience and no blackouts, no restrictions and that everybody can watch. And I love the consistency in the schedule right now. Uh, Leagues cup has been madness, but this year has been fantastic. It's, it's been really, really wild and it's only gotten wilder. Like you mentioned with, uh, messi's
2: arrival yeah let's uh before we get into some atlanta united let's talk about Lionel messi and look uh that was you know almost kind of criminal what he did to atlanta united i mean that was a a dominating performance and again you know he may be a little bit older but you still see that there's this dominance is there a fear and and this may sound kind of strange but is there a fear about him being too dominant to where he makes some of the league look like that they are trying to catch up to him. Is there any fear about that with Messi and his performance so far?
6: You know, I don't think anyone asked the question when Tiago Almada came uh, back, also a reigning World Cup winner, and now Messi's joining him. And obviously Messi is on the total other end of the spectrum of his career, unlike Almada's seven-time Ballon d'Or winner, the greatest of all time. But it's not going to be Messi versus a team. It's credit to Inter Miami, which I know is hard for Atlanta United fans to hear, but it's credit to them and what they've built because we talk about Messi. Sergio Busquets gets totally overshadowed by Lionel Messi because of the name, but his caliber is unreal. You know, And then we're seeing the former Atlanta United manager, Tata Martino, then we're seeing Joseph Martinez, and, and his bar has been raised, and he seems newly inspired next to Messi like everybody should be, but no, it's fantastic for the league. And, you know, for teams that don't go out and compete, I think that this is a really good wake-up call to make that unacceptable. But this, this Inter-Miami team is go, has played two games, and two games against lower competition. Atlanta United did not put out a great performance against, against them, and Cruz Azul is by no means a uh, top of the league contender. So we've seen them play twice, and there are going to be plenty of teams that can give this Inter Miami squad a run for its money. And I'm I'm thrilled that Messi is in the league, but there are plenty of teams that can compete. I mean, I don't I don't think anybody has a problem when they for that uh, what LeBron James's effect is on the NBA.
2: Just a follow-up, do you think that this opens the door to get more guys at the caliber of Messi or more of some of the household names? You know, even for casual fans of the sport, people know who Lionel Messi is. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, again, he's one of the great players, you know, in the world stage. Does this kind of open the door for more players of his caliber, more folks instantly? That, you, know, people, you know, instantly. That,
6: that the people know. who joined into Miami came there because he's there. I don't think Sergio Busquets was coming unless Lea Delmasi was there. Same with Jordi Alba. So it it happened in the, in the second he came, and that's on his own team. So then, yes, especially when you look at markets like a New York, a Miami, um, an Atlanta, a Los Angeles—places that players want to come play and live. I'll give you an example. In my neighborhood, very few people talk to me about MLS. I can't walk down the street without people asking me now about about Messi, and there are people who never watch MLS. So it's right. it's great on every level.
2: Jillian Sackovich joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. You can check her out on the MLS coverage of Apple TV. Let's talk about Atlanta United. This has been a sure. very funky year for Atlanta United. Their defense is really – let them down when you look at the splits the defense has really let them down and the offense has played probably above you know what what their expect expectations are as far as goal scored and things like that it really is kind of funky just they can't find any consistency and i think really a lot of this has just been just the defensive part of the ball that it, it's just not come together for this team this year
6: it's really tough it's hard to watch because it's uncharacteristic of atlanta united before League's Cup, they've given up the second most goals, second just to Charlotte, in the league. And that's not an Atlanta United that, you know, we're used to seeing. But it has been a lot of fun, I have to say, to watch these pieces in in Almada and at Yakimaki come in and have that fire. You know, I think about some of these games that have been at Mercedes-Benz Stadium back and forth. Uh, But the defense is something that that has to get shored up. I'll be honest, I was so surprised to see a a leader and and a great defender like Andrew Gutman kind of move on uh, or be moved on. But I also know that you can't really get a better roster builder in MLS than Garth Lagerway coming from the Seattle Sounders. So I'm sure the pieces are coming together. Uh, and if I was a fan, I, I would have a lot of trust in that process because that's somebody that every MLS team would want helping build the roster.
2: And, you know, uh, Gonzalo Pineda has been a guy who has taken his criticisms about what's going on with this team, you know, this year. How much of that falls on his shoulders? I mean, again, ultimately the manager, you know, does have responsibility for it. But how much do you think falls on him? Or is this just a matter of – They've not they they've not had players that have stepped up and played very well this year.
6: You gotta step up. That's on the manager right or wrong and and Gonzalo Pineda, is he knows that. He's no stranger to that as a longtime player himself in, in League MS and in MLS. He's aware of that. So it's his job to get the pieces ticking. You know, I think for fans that they all really understood last year at one point. I remember the squad had something like was missing like seven starters and that's understandable. And then the issues this year, again, understandable seeing Brad Gazan come back from injury and trying to look like him old self. We all understand it, but at the end of the day, this is sports and people look to the manager the same way that the players look to the manager to be led. The fans look to the manager to produce results.
2: When you look at this club, um, You know, obviously we've talked about the defensive woes, but offensively, and you mentioned about Almada and Yakimakis. You know, again, I think that they have become a more balanced offense. I mean, it's not, you know, in case of emergency, break glass and Joseph will just get us a goal. Now they have a multitude of guys who can score on this team. And, again, you mentioned about Andrew Gutman. He was a guy that, you know, was playing really well offensively. Uh, But this is certainly a club that feels like it's much more balanced or spread out with the offensive personnel that they have now.
6: Offensively, sure. I I would say that that they're balanced, but it doesn't matter. You know, to your point, how balanced you are if you're if you're bleeding goals in the back. Right. So, it's it's good, but they have to figure that out.
2: Where do you think Atlanta United fits in the Eastern Conference right now? I mean, you know, again, not just from a points perspective, but just mm-hmm. where where do you think that they lie? Are are they one of the better teams? Are they you know in the middle? I mean, you know, again, I know what the results are. But when you look at the talent, is it underperformed? I mean, based upon what the rest of the East is?
6: I think where they sit right now is very indicative of who they are. I think they're seven in the East. I think they're a team that's two three spots above the playoff line. Uh, I can't see them making a big run right now, how things stand. But do I think they're in the top tier of MLS teams? No. I mean, I was really disappointed in the performances that we saw from Atlanta United in Leagues Cup because Atlanta United, I was, covered that team when they put three trophies in the cabinet in the course of a year. And some of that was under Tata Martino in the MLS Cup, and some of that was under Frank DeBoer. Um, but to be bounced out of Leagues Cup this early is disappointing. This was a chance at a, at a new trophy. But listen, now you look to MLS play, and they're not in the top tier of teams Cincinnati, New England, Philadelphia. You can throw Nashville in there, let's see what Orlando does against Miami, and if they're in there. That's the top tier of Eastern Conference teams right now. Um, Columbus the other night putting a something on Club America, the biggest team in this hemisphere, that was impressive. Atlanta got run off the field by Miami, so Miami i you could say oh before Messi, Miami's still the worst team in the east, and they got run off the field. they got shut out so. To me, they, they're in the second tier at best in the Eastern Conference. And if things stand at the way that they are, you never know in MLS. But I couldn't see them going up against the FC Cincinnati.
2: What does it say about some of the, the East and the West, about some of the untraditional powers that, again, Cincinnati's leading in the East, St. Louis is leading in the West. What does it say about some of these untraditional powers that are at the top of the standings now in the conferences?
6: That the league is competitive. Um, Cincinnati had three straight years of the Wooden Spoon, the worst team in the league. Then last year they make a playoff run, and now this year they look like they will win the supporter's shield. So it's really impressive. It also shows, though, when you lose pieces, you got to replace them quickly. You know, Brenner gone with Cincinnati, they replaced him quickly. So I think it shows depth. Um, You look at Real Salt Lake. You know they make one huge signing with Orango and they were already doing, they were already doing well in the league. Um, but they have an incredibly deep squad. That's the team I've gotten to learn a lot about. It, it feels like Pablo mastureni is rotating that team all the time, and they're finding ways ways to get results. At one point they were ten or eleven unbeaten across all competitions. So says that there's a little bit of money being spent, but that the the competition is is up there, and you you've, you've got to have some depth now in MLS
2: can check out her coverage on Apple TV covering all things MLS. Jillian Sackovich, joined me here on the waitforward.com hotline. You can follow her on her personal Twitter page, at Jillian Sackovich. Jillian, as always, appreciate uh, the time on the show. Thank you so much for uh, catching up with us, and uh, we will certainly chat again here soon. You're
6: the best, John. Thanks so much. Anytime.
2: You got it. John Chuck, we will be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios on a Tuesday night with you. Don't forget, two hours from right now, we do have Rankum. It is a Tuesday night, so we will get to uh, all of that. Uh, 404-726-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. So Angels have just tied it up. uh, So we're in the top of the fifth inning right now. So Strider's been... Really good uh, thus far, but uh, he just gave up the tying run. Braves' offense, again, is having some issues. Four innings, two hits, one earned run, and four walks for Sandoval, their pitcher, with only two strikeouts. Again, he's given up four walks and two hits, and they haven't been able to scratch but a run across the board. And that came um, on a, um, on a uh, sacrifice fly by Matt Olson. So just a sack fly is all that they've gotten for it. Uh, Bottom of the order is not producing. Really, the only guys that have produced it all, Ozzy's one for two with a run. Riley's got a a hit uh, in two at-bats, and Olsen's got the RBI, but he's 0 for 1 with the sacrifice fly. So, again, uh, a pitching staff that's not very good that's shutting down the Braves' offense. There's no reason for this. So hopefully they explode, and hopefully they get back into their uh, winning ways uh, with everything, or really, more than anything, just get their offense back, right? I mean, just just get the thing cranked up and, uh, and going out there. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. 10 o'clock, we will get to the uh, Braves' closeout. So, we'll get to, uh, your reaction to the Braves and what happened here tonight, especially if you're leaving the stadium. We certainly invite you to be a part uh, of the show um, that way. So, Lot to, lot going on here. We'll uh, get to the top of the hour. We'll also hear from uh was it, uh Cordero Patterson. That's is that who we're gonna hear from?
4: Oh, oh uh, as far as Falcons. Nine you, o'clock, yeah. Uh no, it's going to be uh actually it was going to be uh Is it Troy Anderson? Uh, Troy Anderson, yeah. Okay.
2: So we'll hear from Troy Anderson. Um or Young koo or Bijan or I don't even know who, you know. Um we'll we'll hear from somebody coming up at the top of the hour and uh uh, we'll replay one of the interviews from from the guys earlier on uh, today. Have you gone up to camp yet?
4: No, I'm actually going to reach out to Mike and get that set up, so I can get out there and just kind of get my eyes
2: on things. When uh, when are you trying to go up?
4: I wanted to go this week, but would it be in the first week of school with the kids and everything? I, you know, I figured. How did I, today go? Uh, not too bad. Um, you know, three different locations that we had to. Well, yeah, no, three different locations. Uh, the the six year old. He's in elementary still, and then two of them are at middle school, which they started after. So the six-year-old was first, Yeah. then the middle schoolers, and then our toddler, he goes to like a – it's kind of like a a church in school in a church, Um, and he's he's only there like two days a week. Um, But he was the third drop-off. So it was literally like the first – we were up at six, and we're done with everybody by like (laughs) ten.
2: Yeah, I will um – uh, my daughter had her first day of high school today. Um, seemed like it went well. She's been sick, so she's been not feeling good the last couple of days. So trying to get her on the mend. Um, I'm going to take her to school on Friday. But, um, you know, so far so good. I mean, first first day and stuff like that. Yeah, so.
4: it'll be a – you know, I think for even all – no matter what grade level, I, you know, I think it's going to be a relatively easy week for pretty much everybody. Yeah, just kind of yeah. getting back into the classroom and just – getting, you know, especially like those middle schoolers and high schoolers getting used to where you got to go and all that's that kind of stuff. That's the biggest thing, stuff. yeah. I yeah. mean,
2: we, again, when I wa- when we walked around the high school to get to all of our classes, I had 5,000 steps in already. Yeah, that's I crazy. mean, I, I had 5,000 steps in just going back and forth to all the different buildings and stuff. But we made a change in one of our classes, and so it, it helped kind of streamline her schedule a little bit better where... It's not as spread out as what it was before, mm. so that'll be a little bit better for her. Because, again, I mean, just it's crazy, you know, yeah. going from all these different buildings and stuff, and just they're spread out to everywhere. You would think that they would try to keep at least somewhat by grade level in, in some certain of the, area. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, without too much.
4: Now, does she do? Does she do anything? Like, does she do clubs, sports, anything? I'm
2: trying to get her involved in stuff, but as of right now, no. I mean, coming out of eighth grade, she does want to cheer at some point. So, uh, but I'm trying to get her involved in either sports or cheerleading or clubs and stuff like that. But I don't know what she's gonna do. Again, she's 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 all banged up with her. You know, her mother is all banged up and stuff. So, you know, we'll we'll see. But I want her to get involved in be involved in high school stuff. Right. You know, I, I was, I mean, so, yeah. Um, you know, again, I did sports, I did academic clubs and stuff like that. So again, um, but you know, really and truly wasn't until my senior year that the fun kind of came into it all. Yeah. Like, you know, when, when I got to be a senior, senior year was, was pretty good. um, Actually went and saw, you know, November of my senior year, uh, we went and saw a group of us went and saw like six of us went up to Cleveland Municipal Stadium. We saw the Rolling Stones in concert. Nice. Um, July of uh, 1990, when I got, when I graduated from high school, another group of six of us we went to the Paul McCartney concert up at, oh, at wow. Cleveland Municipal. So, so again, you know, toward toward my last year, or so. Um, that's when it got to be fun. That, that's nice. that's when it got to be fun. Nice, so. nice, okay. So we'll see what happens. But yes, I want her to get involved in in stuff. I want her to just be active. Just just get involved in something. Don't be just a lazy shtup. You know what I mean? Like yeah, just, I feel you know, Just like a schnook. You know, what <laughs> I mean, just get involved in some stuff. You know, just do something. You yeah, know? just yeah, do something. You know, fun or different or whatever. Like that. You might actually even have fun. Exactly. You know? So yeah. anyway, but she's got some drama with one of these kids that go to her class, and just I don't. High school drama with 14-year-old girls. I mean, <laughs> just, oh, yeah. again, you want to just, you know, take a baseball bat and just beat yourself over the head with it. So, anyway. All right, speaking of a uh, baseball bat to the head, uh, let's get to something we call What's Buggin' Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked
1: off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Buggin' Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game.
2: So, let me read this tweet from um Mark uh, Feinson who uh covers Major League Baseball and um, he's a reporter and all this good whatever he, I don't care but here's here's what he said okay Verlander is owed so we saw the mutts trade Justin Verlander to the Astros earlier today right for a couple of really good prospects okay but they said Verlander is owed million in 23 24, of which the Mets will pay $35 million per source. Now, if Verlander's $35 million option for 2025 vests, which I think is a hundred and I think it's 140 innings that he has to pitch, the Mets will pick up $17.5 million, bringing their total to $52.5 million just to trade him away. Now obviously Day, Verlander had a monster year. he won all these championships. he was winning 20 games annually. Oh, he was six and five with a 315 ERA for the mutts. and they're going to to trade him away, spend besides what they already paid him through this year. 52 million dollars. Can I ask is this the worst contract in baseball history? How is it not the worst contract in baseball history? Maybe Scherzer's in the running for the next worst contract in baseball history or Patrick Corbin might be in the mix for worst contract in baseball history. But Verlander pitched 16 starts and they're and they are paying 52 million for him to leave and whatever they also already paid him this year. And you know what? Couldn't happen to a better organization than the New York Mutts. Couldn't happen to anybody better than the Mutts and what an awful contract this thing was. F the Mets. F the Mets. Step right up and F the Mets. Bring your kitties, bring your wife. They're going to suck for the rest of your life. How bad did they suck? They signed Verlander and Scherzer to, hey, and you know what? They got rid of DeGrom to try to get younger and healthier, and they bring Scherzer and Verlander in. (laughs) And they got 16 starts. They were 17 and a half games out of first fourth in their division for a 6-5 and performance where they have to pay a go-away fee of $52.5 million, just as a go-away fee. That's awful. F the Mets, F the Mets, step right up and F the Mets, bring your kitties, bring your wife. They're gonna suck for the rest of your life. He, Verlander, had five more wins last year than total starts for the Mutts. 21 and six last year. Five more victories than he had starts for the New York Mutts. F the Mets, F the Mets, step right up and F the Mets. Bring your kitties, bring your wife, they're going to suck for the rest of your life. He started 16 games, he won 21. By the way, he won 16 games the year before. This is the worst contract in baseball history. And you know what? It couldn't have happened to a better franchise in baseball. F the the Mets, F the Mets, Mets. step right up and F the Mets. Bring your kitties, bring your wife. They're gonna suck for the rest of your life. What a bunch of dirtbags. What a bunch of losers. What a disaster. You know what? If you're a Mets fan, if you're a fan of the mutts, pull the blanket over your head and don't come out into the sunlight anytime soon. Here, this will help you feel a little bit better. F the Mets. F F the Mets. Mets. Step Step right up and F F the Mets. Bring your kiddies. Bring your wife. They're going to suck for the rest of your life. You a-holes. Couldn't happen to a better bunch of dirt bags, flea bags, mutton chops. Just, they're awful. Have I, you know, have I ever mentioned to you at all that I hate the mutts? That I loathe the mutts?
4: Why, yes, you have.
2: Oh, I wasn't sure if I'd ever mentioned that to you or not. I hate the Mets, I hate the Red Sox. I hate some of these teams. I hate the Kansas City Royals. There's reason behind that, but I hate the Mutts and the Red Sox, but I really hate the Mutts. And and there is nothing that makes me happier than seeing this dirtbag franchise just be awful. Be awful. And again, they're they're talk, their GM saying well, we're going to be a competitive team next year, okay? Well, you you only you had to give up a few hundred million in salary, and, and oh, by the way, all of that money that they're going to pay for Lander to go away, all counts toward the luxury tax threshold, the CBT. All of that counts toward that. Why? Because they suck, and and they're awful. And you know what? F the Mets. F the Mets. Step, Step right, right up and F the Mets. Bring your kiddies and bring your, bring your wife. Because they're, they're going to suck for the rest of your life. <sighs> I feel better now. I feel better. All right. When uh, we get back, Troy Anderson, we'll hear from him. Chuck Green, Nikia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, Odyssey.com app.